things like doubt, fear, shame, guilt, they thrive in secrecy. They're like boogeymen. They do great in dank, dark closets in the back of our brain. But when we bring them into the light, we begin to see them for what they are. They lose some of their scare tactic and they become a lot more manageable. Welcome to Messy and Magnificent, the place driven women come to elevate their career, health, and relationships. In here, we increase your productivity by replacing always being busy with the space to breathe. Hear your own wisdom and be part of a sisterhood that has your back. My name is Carly Fain, and together we're going to make sure that you have a doable plan and the roots to rise. Well, welcome back to Messy and Magnificent. It is your gal, Carly, and we are nearing the one-year anniversary of Messy and Magnificent. I can't believe it. And I know the same must be true for you that this past year both feels like it's been a year and maybe it's felt like it's been 10 years in terms of everything that we've all experienced. So today we're going to have a particularly interesting conversation. We're going to be talking all about doubt. And here's why I'm really excited to be able to do that. You might have heard me mention in the other episodes, the Reclaiming Time Studio. This is the group coaching program I run a few times a year exclusively for women who either have or are ready to start their own businesses who want to reclaim their time and their energy. Now, magic happens on every single call in this group, but... I'm really big on privacy. So we don't share what happens in this group because it's important that the Reclaiming Time Studio, it's like Vegas. What happens in there stays in there because I don't think that there are enough spaces where women get to speak really freely to other women that get it without fear of judgment or anybody else knowing how they're actually feeling. So I've been asking myself this question literally for years. We've had the Reclaiming Time Studio for over four years now. How can I share what goes on in there without actually sharing what goes on in there? I want you to be privy to some of the really beautiful and powerful conversations that happen. So I've literally been holding that question in my mind for over two years now. I keep saying, how might we be able to share in a way that still provides a safe space Well, today I have one answer to that question, and it is centered around a really powerful thread of conversation that came up. In a moment, you're going to hear what happened when a woman in the Reclaiming Time studio asked me the question, Carly, how do you keep self-doubt in check? When she asked that question, it led to such rich conversation about living with doubt and what to do about it. So you're actually going to hear sound clips from the Reclaiming Time Studio that have only my voice in them in order to honor our group privacy, as well as some other stories and case studies around doubt that should help the big things you're worried about feel far more approachable. This episode is short, sweet, but by golly, does it pack a meaningful dose of feeling clear about your next steps. And it certainly has a lot of things I wish somebody had shared around this subject of doubt with me like 20 years ago. So expect to walk away from this particular episode, not only less worried about doubt, 
but perhaps even looking forward to the next time doubt shows up. And in a moment, you are gonna see why. Now, first, before we dive in, I've gotta give my favorite part of the show some wiggle room, the shout out. Today, I'm giving a shout out to Make Time to Laugh. First of all, I love your screen name, Make Time to Laugh. This is what they said on iTunes. Carly Fane's Messy and Magnificent Five Stars. It's fun and down-to-earth real-life podcast. Carly and her guests' enthusiasm and authenticity shine through. A must-listen for women of all ages. Hey, make time to laugh. Your testimonial here sounds like the kind of thing that would go on a movie poster. I wonder if you work in that industry, and I so thank you for taking a moment to be in this conversation. I don't know about you, but I do not need one more leader in front of me who pretends to have it all together. I think that that time has served its purpose, this polish, perfect spin that so many people put out publicly. It falls flat for many of us these days. We don't want one more person pretending to be perfect, right? We want permission not to be. We want to know that even if we make human mistakes, even if we recover from our perfectionist tendencies, that not only will things not fall apart, but that that level of authenticity is what will draw more good people to us. So make time to laugh. Thank you so much for leaving this comment. For all of you listening, if you haven't posted a review on iTunes, I encourage you to do so so that I can give you a shout out on an upcoming episode. So let's get started about this conversation around doubt. So I don't know if you caught a couple years ago, a documentary came out, it was really sweet, called Tea with the Dames. And this was a gathering of a bunch of women, four women actually, who are all British dames. They are actresses, real extraordinary leaders in their field. And they happen to be good friends. So they get together to talk every so often. Now, it was Dames Eileen Atkin, Dame Judy Dench, Dame Joan Playwright, and Dame Maggie Smith, as they were in conversation, kind of ribbing each other a little bit and sharing behind the scenes of what it was like to come up in their careers. They discovered that every single one of them, at one point in their career, knew that the pinnacle role to get would be Cleopatra in Shakespeare's Antony and Cleopatra. This was the premier role that, if done well, could transport an audience, and they all wanted the opportunity to do it. And through conversation, they realized that every single one of them, at one point during their career, had been offered the role of Cleopatra only one woman took it. Now, the three women who didn't take the role was because they doubted whether or not they would be good enough. They had so much doubt about their ability to show up and do justice to this role that they politely declined it. Now, these are premier leading actresses, and they weren't sure of their own capabilities. And the one woman who did take the role, she spent the entire time also racked with doubt, wondering if she would be able to pull it off night after night, constantly in a knot in her stomach. I bring this story forward because it illustrates so beautifully how common doubt is. And I can tell you from having worked with celebrities who are in front of packed stadiums, few nights a week touring, that they 
are doubtful on a regular basis, as are those of us who are just getting started with a new idea and everything in between. So first things first, I want to just clarify that doubt is not a sign that something is wrong with you. It's actually an indicator of something totally different. So here's what happened when a real woman in the Reclaiming Time studio asked me the question, hey, Carly, how do you keep self-doubt in check? I'm going to ask you to begin to cultivate an ongoing relationship with doubt because it's never going to leave. It's always going to be there. And more and more, I am convinced that doubt is actually part of a good idea, that they're not separate things because they always show up at the same time. And oftentimes, the better the idea or the more expansive the idea, the quicker the doubt shows up, right? We need to talk for a moment. This is just a great point about, and we touched on this lightly, and there'll be themes of this all throughout our program together, our understanding of what it's like to be a woman in a patriarchy, where it hasn't been safe for us to speak freely and be big in the world. Um, maybe that's ancestral. Like maybe that's just from generations of this is what we've learned. And for some of us, that is very much currently the case. There are women who cannot speak freely about their ideas. It wouldn't be safe. And so doubt is a built-in part of our nervous system designed to keep us quiet because we're safe. And so we want to be aware that some of that doubt, it's not necessarily even ours. And we want to begin to be in conversation. And so what I'm going to invite you to do the next time doubt shows up is to say, hey, doubt, what do you want me to know? What are you trying to tell me? Hey, doubt, what do you want to know? My doubt is often trying to say, well, I just, I just want you to be safe. I don't want to make you a fool out of yourself. or I don't want you to lose a bunch of money on this idea. And then I can say, okay, great. Well, then I'm going to make a plan to not lose money on this, or I'm going to make sure that I proceed safely, or I'm going to, right? But we're not ignoring the doubt. We're actually welcoming it to the conversation because it's part of the good idea. I'll have a good idea on Monday. And by Wednesday, I'm like, no, I don't think we should do that anymore. I'm terrified. I'm scared. Are, are you sure we should still be doing this? And we can just set our watch by that. Like we know, oh, this is the part where Carly has the good idea. This is the part where she gets scared. And by Friday, she's come back full circle and she knows that it's fine and we move on. Like we can just begin to spot our own natural relationship with doubt. Like, oh, this is the part where doubt shows up. I know this part. Welcome. That means I'm making progress. As opposed to, oh my gosh, now I need to run and hide or change this idea or ignore it altogether. This is the part where doubt shows up. Let's learn a little bit more about your process and your relationship with doubt. So did you catch that last part where I said that we aren't going to ignore doubt? We're not going to push it away. We're not going to try to stuff it back into our mental closet because it takes so much energy to ignore or circumvent the way we actually think or feel. That is one of the ways we can begin to reclaim our time and energy is by acknowledging and welcoming the truth of what we're actually thinking or feeling to the table. So when I say inviting doubt to the table to begin to be in conversation with your doubt, there's three things that happen when we do this. Number one, we stop the running away from it. And that in and of itself is really empowering, right? Number two, doubt begins to minimize when we allow it to come into the light. You see, Things like doubt, fear, shame, guilt, they thrive in secrecy. They're like boogeymen. They do great in dank, dark closets in the back of our brain. But when we bring them into the light, we begin to see them for what they are. They lose some of their scare tactic and they become a lot more manageable. And then the third thing that happens when we invite doubt to the table 
is that you deepen your level of wisdom on the spot. You will learn more about who you are and the depth of your knowledge begins to expand. See, on the other side of doubt is your true essence. On the other side of doubt is who you naturally are. As my executive assistant, Ellen, once said, doubt is a messenger. And I love that, Ellen. Thank you for that. Because you see, doubt, it's not here to mess with us. It's here to help keep you safe and show you the path to learning more about yourself. So this soundbite that you just heard, this was the part of the conversation. And we moved on. We began to talk about the other things I had scheduled. But between you and I, this is part of the reason I love working live with people when at all possible. Because as the presenter, as the teacher... I get all the content ready, right? I get everything planned. I'm highly organized. But then there will be the student of grace. And sometimes a student of grace is an actual person. And sometimes it's just a thread of conversation that's brought up. I didn't plan for us to go deep into this conversation of doubt. That wasn't what I had on our docket for the day. And yet, when the following question was brought up, I knew we had to go there because this initial conversation about doubt, about inviting it to the table, was about to touch on something that is really important, that women who are able to have healthy conversations with doubt, who are able to welcome it to the table, they know this. So here is what happened when a few minutes later, a woman asked a question about being able to receive help. She said, Carly, you know, I'm really happy to offer help to others. That's kind of my go-to move. I genuinely like it, but I'm noticing that I'm really uncomfortable asking for help. Sometimes I'm starting to wonder if this is connected to my doubt. Is there some correlation between doubting that it's okay for us to receive help and cultural conditions? that tells us that it's not okay to receive help. And here is where the conversation went. Yes. And this is what we're going to watch shift during our six months together. There's a really neat thing is happening because the we have a group who's in a renewal group. They didn't want to end when we ended. And so we extended them for a full year and we meet with them right before you guys. And so they are in such a comfortable state of knowing of trusting and being. And you're reminding me of what it's like to just begin having these conversations where the doubt is so prevalent. It is what we have been taught. And as we begin to have these conversations, I think you're going to get really good and clear at sorting out what is my thought and what is some thought that is like cultural lint that just got stuck onto me. We know in this, if, if my life is a sweater, you know, going through the machine, whose spare sock is hanging on my back? right? Like, is this even my laundry that I'm carrying around? Or am I carrying somebody else's lint with me? And we're going to get clearer, but that's the question to live into. Is this belief, is this a fact or is this a belief? And that's often the question we ask ourselves when we're, when we're, when we're scared about doing something as, a, as an organization. Is this idea that it won't work out a fact or is this a belief? What could also be true here? I didn't see that coming in this conversation. That certainly wasn't what I was planning to talk about. And yet it was clear as day that the quantity of questions and interests around this conversation about doubt was going to require us to remember the context in which we live and work. So when I talk about inviting doubt to the table, I'd love to get a little bit more specific about what that can look like, because it could be as simple as, hey, doubt, what do you want me to know? But there's a preliminary question that's really important to ask. And I know I spoke about it in this clip in a very tongue-in-cheek way, right? We have been taught 
And I think specifically as women, those of us who reach any level of success, whether it's, you know, we get a career or we graduate from college or you play a professional sport or you have a family, if that was the goal, whatever it is, that if we want to get there, we have to do it ourselves, that we have to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps because nobody else is going to fully support us in doing that. And um, there's an element of truth to that. I don't think that women get the full support that we would benefit from early on. And so I don't want to dismiss that concept that at some point we did have to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. That's what you got you here. It worked. And that idea of having to do it ourselves is exactly what prevents us from getting to the next level. Like there it is. There's the roadblock. And it's that popular isolation concept that we talk about that happens for a lot of driven women where you've got great friends or family or loved ones. And yet the weight of the world feels like it's on your shoulders for you to figure everything out yourself. Um, and so we want to be aware of, of, you know, again, is this cultural conditioning, this belief that I have to do it myself? Is it true? Is this doubt even mine? Right. Have I absorbed the doubt or the beliefs of somebody else? Or another way of looking at it is, is this doubt a fact or is it a belief? And if it's a belief, what also could be true here? Meaning, what is another possible outcome? If I live into this goal or this idea or this calling or this hunch or this intuition that I have, if everything went as well as possible, what might happen? What could that look like? So we start there, right? We make sure when you're inviting doubt to the table that first of all, it's yours. <laughs> is this even your sock or is it something else that static cling has clipped onto your back by accident that maybe you've been carrying around that it's time to put back in the wash pile because it doesn't even belong to you. So here's the summary of today's conversation around doubt. The goal is not to obliterate doubt. I know that we all say that we don't care what anyone thinks, and that sounds all tough and stuff and great, but A, we do care. We do. <laughs> we just do care. On some level, we care what some people think, and hopefully you don't care what everybody thinks, but there are people or circumstances in our lives or within ourselves where we do care about the quality of the way we're showing up or about this dream, idea, or goal that we're having some doubt around. And so B, there's nothing tough about putting on armor and avoiding the emotions or the thoughts like doubt that we don't like, especially because we can't selectively numb one emotion without numbing them all. So when we stop listening to doubt, we're going to stop being able to hear our other instincts, our other thoughts, and we want to be as fully resourced in the world as possible. Doubt is one of our resources. It is inviting us into a deeper understanding of what we value, who we are, and the ways we want to show up in the world. So to live and work with an open, tender heart and just keep listening to what doubt has to tell you is a noble way to continue to move forward in your career and within your personal life. So remember how I said at the top when I gave that example about doubt showing up for the dames that I was going to come back full circle to that? I brought up that example because it was such a sweet moment of seeing the way doubt is incredibly common for women at lots of levels. So this being near the anniversary of Messy and Magnificent, I couldn't think of a better time 
to talk about doubt when I think about just a year ago, having the idea to begin this podcast. Now, we'd been thinking about having a podcast for years. It was something I knew I wanted to do. I even did some fits and starts with it maybe eight years ago, trying to figure it out myself a little bit. But it became clear that it wasn't the right moment until about a year ago when I looked at the goals of our organization and I realized I wanted more conversations like those that happen in my private coaching practice or in these groups to be part of our culture, that more women are looking for somebody that they can sit on the sofa with and have these meaningful conversations that lead to the nourishment we need to show up for our careers. So I've got this inspired idea that, you know what, it's time to do a podcast. And no sooner did I have the inspired idea Then doubt shows up for the first time, and I want to walk you through the real-life conversation over the course of a couple months of the ways doubt shows up for me, just because I've gotten to know a little bit about the way I interact with doubt, so much so that I swear I could set my watch or my calendar to it. So I have the inspired idea that it's time to start the podcast. Immediately, doubt shows up and says, Carly, when in the world are you going to have time (laughs) to create a podcast, right? Or how in the world are you supposed to do that? I have no idea how to do a podcast professionally. What would that even look like, right? So this is a great example of how um, the more expansive an idea is, the quicker and sometimes the louder doubt will show up, at least for me. And so I knew, up here's doubt, right? Doubt is right on time. This must be a good idea. So the next question for me to ask was, who can I ask for help about this? Who do I know that's run a podcast before that might be able to point me in the direction of learning a little bit more about how to make this possible? So I reached out and asked my sister for help because she had done a podcast. And then she put me in touch with somebody who knew what they were doing, the folks over at Genie Media that produced our show. And we began to map it out. So we decided to move forward. I'm getting increasingly excited about it. I can't wait. And it's time to go into the recording studio. It's about two weeks before it's time to start recording. And I'm mapping out our first few episodes and total panic starts to set in. I am convinced that I am going to flop. Questions that sound like, who are you to be doing this, Carly? Are you even qualified? Aren't enough people talking about the things that you want to talk about? Is this even original enough? All of this begins to crop up. And all I want to do is be like a fledgling bird. I feel feeble. I want to get underneath the covers and hide. I know that as I get closer to delivering or showing up for the goal, that my doubt will make me feel feeble. I know this because I've been in relationship with doubt for a long time, and I have known that that feeble feeling is a myth. It is actually the last breakthrough that has to happen before I reach the next level. That feeble feeling is actually the grief of letting go of the smaller version of who I am. It is my last momentary connection to the part of me that felt incapable. And here's one fascinating thing to know is that had I stopped the first time doubt showed up, we wouldn't have had this podcast. And I had no idea when I hatched this idea in my home office what the outcome was going to be. But I can tell you now about a year into it that by the time this episode comes out, we will have had more than 12,000 downloads. We will have reached the ears and hearts and minds of women in over 20 countries who are actively engaged giving feedback and sharing 
these episodes, you being one of these magnificent women. So when we consider the Tao and then we consider the question, but what is possible? What could happen if things worked out as well as they possibly could? This show is a living proof of how important it is to hear the doubt, acknowledge what it's here to help us with, and keep on going. And I want to acknowledge that we were able to do this, not because I'm some super courageous person, but because I've had the opportunity to sit with doubt again and again and again. The more we know about our doubt, the more we know about what we are capable of. And so doubt shows up, A, the moment I have a good idea, it usually says you have no idea how to do this. You're never going to be able to figure it out. And then as I work through that, it usually shows up again with a sense of feebleness right before it's time to deliver. So I want to point this out, that the win in terms of our relationship with doubt is not necessarily the outcome, because sometimes we're going to try something and it is going to flop. (laughs) It isn't going to work out, right? But the win is doing what feels true even when we don't know what the outcome will be. And sometimes we get fortunate. We have a double win, like this podcast. The first win was just showing up for the calling. The second win is the tremendous amount of connection that you and I get to have together now. So I hope that this episode is opening up a doorway in you to start considering what is your relationship with doubt like? When does it show up? What does it want to tell you? And how can you learn a little bit more about your process with doubt so that you can begin to know exactly when it's going to show up and normalize the fact that it's there. So here is what I want to know from you. What is one part of this particular episode that is landing with you? If you only remember one word or one phrase or one concept, maybe it's something that I shared or maybe it's something that like my clients in the Reclaiming Time studio, it's just bubbling up from within you. Take that and put it in a comment on iTunes or repost a screenshot of this episode on social media and tag me in it so that we can continue this conversation. Remember, you thrive through nourishment, not punishment. Keep taking care of what you value, including the ways you actually think and feel. And I will see you again next week. Thank you for listening to the Messy and Magnificent podcast and being part of this dynamic, life-giving community of women. I consider each episode part of a lifelong conversation of you and me hanging out, sipping tea together, making sure that all women become richer, more nourished, and able to keep on rising. So I'll see you on the next episode next week. But in the meantime, don't forget to head over to carlyfane.com forward slash podcast to get the full show notes. And I've also got some extra special free resources for driven women over there that you won't find anywhere else.